Welcome to the Paradigm Shift on 4ZZZ 102.1, where we challenge the assumptions of our current society to resist oppression and investigate alternative ways of living for a world based on justice, solidarity, and sustainability. Hello everyone, this is the Paradigm Shift and Ian, I'm back after being on the big ride for Palestine from Brisbane to Brunswick Heads and I'd like to make a big shout out to all of those brave souls who rode the 160, 170 odd k's from Brisbane down to Brunswick Heads to raise money for an agricultural project in Palestine. Today's show, we're going to talk about the subject of cruelty. And the reason why we've chosen that topic is because today in the federal court, a family from Biloela, a Tamil family that has um, arrived here by boat, that they are going to be deported back to Sri Lanka where they are in severe fear of their lives. Now, how does it that an Australian government can support cruelty in this way? We're going to find out today. Uh, we're interviewing a former member of the Australian Asylum Seeker Resource Centre, Pamela Kerr, and she is, has recently been given an Order of Australia Medal for her work with refugees in the last 20 years. So let's go to the interview that I did with Pamela early this morning and hear what she says about cruelty. Can you please introduce yourself? My name is Pamela Kerr. I live in Melbourne. I have been visiting detention centres for 20 years now. I most recently was visiting uh, a few Sundays back and I saw the young Tamil family who I know. The children were racing around the, the, their visits room, hiding under the tables and playing with some other children. They were a source of delight because I was visiting some men who'd recently been transferred down from Manus and hadn't seen any family life, even at a distance, for six years. Anyway, the, the mum came up and gave me a hug. She's a very warm, loving woman. I think today I, I like thousands in Australia, I'm feeling very sad and heartbroken at the way they've been treated and the fact that they may well be deported today. What is cruelty? Well, if we look at the definition of cruelty, it's 
causing pain and suffering to others. It can be physical pain or mental pain. We most often think of it when we think of cruelty to animals, which is abhorred by the community, and there are laws and rules and an organisation to prevent it. We think of it when we think of cruelty to children, again, something that is abhorred by the community um, with laws and rules to change it and stop it. And yet, and yet in this country, cruelty is a practice, a government practice, a government policy to the people who come here by boat seeking our protection and this is being ignored by many. The government is enacting it. It has been largely hidden until um, recently. And I think what's affected people most about seeing this family, this is not the first family who've been deported, not the first family who've been ripped out of their beds in the middle of the night for no reason. But the fact is this has been public and it's come about um, because the government went into a country town, they probably thought no one would notice. When they drove their white vans into town in the early hours of the morning and dragged these people out of bed and dragged these little children out of their warm beds and screaming, and the neighbours noticed, and the neighbours were distraught. They contacted friends. These were the quiet Australians our Prime Minister tells us about. But they were shocked. They could not believe that their government would treat a family whom they knew and loved in this way. So this is part of the reason why it's so public. The other part is that now, um, until recently, no one was allowed to have a mobile phone with a camera facility in detention centres. There was a court case when the government tried to take all mobile phones, even those that we had this strange rule where if you came by boat, you couldn't have a phone in detention. But if you came by air, you could. I asked senior immigration people years ago when they used to talk to us, they don't talk to us anymore, um, what is the reason for this rule? And after shrugging, a few times, eventually someone said, well, well, if they came by boat, they might try to contact their people smuggler. I said, what, they're here? Anyway, that it's a nonsense. This rule was challenged by the law and we won that case. So now people are allowed to have mobile phones with a camera facility in the detention centre. And it is a, you might think it's trivial, but it is a tremendous protection. But not only that, it is opening the eyes of Australia to what goes on in detention. Those, this family, along with others, were kept in what was called the Broadmeadows Residential Precinct. The words mean nothing. It's a part of the detention centre, um, specially built for families. It comprises ten little adjoining huts, houses. They're all modern and look quite nice on the outside, clad with that... Um, um, wrought iron material. Um, those families, for the first four and five months, were kept had guards inside the rooms with them. Can you imagine looking after little children, trying to put them to bed, a young mum trying to breastfeed, 
with guards, male and female guards, um, watching every move they made. That, I say, is cruelty. The parents were not allowed to feed the children what they would choose to give their children, healthy food. We as visitors are no longer allowed to take fruit into the detention centre. The children love strawberries. What child doesn't? Not allowed to give them strawberries. Not allowed to give them anything healthy. We're not allowed to take baby food. Um, what I've seen in 20 years is enormous change in detention centres. Detention and denial of freedom has always been harsh, particularly for these people who have no end date. But what I'm seeing now is a policy of deliberate cruelty. And that is why I say our government has this policy of cruelty. They are causing suffering and harm. It's not just advocates like me who claim this. You read the psychiatric reports, the medical reports, the legal court cases, and there you see it documented. And I guess, like many Australians, I don't want to see this policy in my country. This is not representing my values and beliefs. And that's why many of us are so disturbed about it. On a night like any other night Maybe raining, maybe clear Devilish whispers Usual incantations It's loud enough for me to hear And the world looks so delightful Through the wind and pour and rain The storm waves keep on rising Calling out my name And I'm up against your window My face pressed to the glass Please let me in let me in Sail away On a sea of foolish dreams Pay the price And lose it all forever Put your life In the hands of other schemes Take the dive It's now or never the slain and I'm up against your window my face pressed to the glass please let me in please let me in as we ran from the fire to the water swapped the guns for strain and seam ships on the horizon Do they see me? Do they see me? On this night Like any other night Maybe raining Maybe clear 
In a world exploding Is any heart open? Can you hear us? Can you hear? My thoughts now so insightful Too late to ease the pain The crying of the children The innocent, the slain And I'm up against your window My face pressed to the glass Please let me in Please let me in That was Article 14 by Tony Mockridge along with Three Miles from Texas and it's a reference to the United Nations Convention about Refugees. Today we are talking about cruelty and it's in the in the, in the context of a court case that is going on right now where it is likely that uh, Bill Wheeler family from Western Queensland who have lived there for a number of years, uh, have worked there in the local meatworks, have volunteered in the local St Vinnie's and have the support of the Bill Wheeler c- community that they, because they are Tamils, are to be and arrived here by boat in fear of their lives they're to be deported back to Sri Lanka. So let's go back now to Pamela Kerr, who is talking about the reasons for this. The Australian National Anthem states that, for those who've come across the seas, we have boundless plains to share. With courage, let us all combine to advance Australia fair. Is the deportation of this family Australian? Of course, those words in the anthem are farcical because we know they do not represent um, the current values of our government. They may well represent some or or many Australians' um, embrace of people from other countries because, let's face it, We all came from somewhere else, except the Indigenous people. We all um, are recent arrivals. Um, My mob, I'm six generations. Um, That's about as old as it gets. I mean, we are not um, people who've been here forever. And we used to. I'm not saying that it was ever perfect. We have had 
a deep strain of racism going through this country since we began. Um, there are many who've suffered. The Chinese, oh, the Aboriginal people for starters. We took their land with no asking. But then we did improve. There were um, government, there was government leadership and it also came from the people where we were embracing people from other countries. We were aware that they brought something to this country. We became strong and prosperous because so many people came from different lands. Um, but we've lost that. Look at the way the government speaks about us now. They are dividing this country as never before. And we should not forget what we allow to happen to the people who've arrived most lately. The government will not be content with that. They're already starting on the rest of us. Look at the policies around New Start, the policies around supporting young people. They're very harsh, and I would say verging on cruel. Billawheela resident Lorraine Webster called for the Tamil family currently on Christmas Island to be returned to the Queensland community of Billawheela, where they were living before they lost their asylum bid. I'd like to now play what Lorraine said in that interview. I got to know them through a Sri Lankan family living behind me. They first used to walk past and give a little wave, but not really brave enough to give the full wave. And they learned, they learned quickly that our hearts in this town were open to welcome them. Nadas, he worked really hard at the meatworks and they work hard at the meatworks. And he contributed to our town, which we desperately need, contribution. Priya, she was a volunteer at our local Vinnie's. Then they had their little children and their little children used to come into the centre, which we have, Woolworth Centre, and everybody would wave to them and they would wave. They learned to talk. They spoke to us. They called us grandma. They were our friends. Our side is the love of the family and the way this family has been treated. That is our part. It is not to do with homes being raided in somewhere else in Sydney. That was not what we have come here today about. And we have a lady from Billawheela that is over there on Christmas Island trying to give that family the sport and the love that she has taken from us to be on Christmas Island. Thank you very much. How do you respond to that? called by Lorraine Webster. It's very moving to hear. This is what I'd like to think was the heart of Australia, the heart of who we are. I've seen this um, warmth and love extended to many people in the cities as well as country and I know that it's there. What makes me angry is to see our politicians trying to stamp it out, trying to kick it, trying to 
turn people away from what is their natural humanity to reach out to each other. That's the tragedy of our nation today. Is the cruel stance taken by Immigration Minister Peter Dutton an expression of the popular will? Well, that's the big question, isn't it? I mean, we've certainly um, studied, uh, polled um, people, and uh, if you look on most issues, sometimes it's 50-50, sometimes it's more. It depends how much information people have about a particular issue. But um, what I know is coming is that there are around 6,000 people, families, in this same position. And this government is determined to cleanse Australia of these people on the basis that they came here by boat. It is a shocking thing that on that basis alone, and to do that, they've introduced legislation. So there are this group, these people are from the legacy caseload. That means they arrived before 2013. But then there were new laws enacted, a new process called Fast Track. <laughs> so far it's been no track. There are still thousands of people whose cases have not even been opened. But the aim of Fast Track is to refuse as many as possible. And so what is happening today is going to be replicated and now it's over to the people of Australia. Are we going to let them do it? Because the fact is, it's all very well for the government to say, oh, these people are found not to be refugees. They haven't engaged our um, protection. But we know from looking at the cases that they haven't had a fair go um, and that if their cases were handled properly, uh, anybody looking at it would say, yes, you have a genuine fear of return and, yes, you have a right to protection and to give them that protection. Um, we're not in a situation where we can trust the judgment of our country and that is a very serious matter. Both sides of Parliament support laws resulting in this family's deportation. So how do people who do not support those cruel laws have their views respected by our countrymen and countrywomen? I think what is happening um, right now, where across the political spectrum you have Australians of all sides standing up to the government, writing, sending messages, emails, lobbying, asking for these people to be allowed to stay. Um, the government feels that they're in a strong enough position to push it through. Uh, it's, you know, I, it doesn't matter who you align yourself with politically. Deep down inside, we all have values and beliefs, apart from those um, political affiliations. And we have to stand up for what's right. And it is not right to persecute people. It is not right to do what this government's done, dragging these people around Australia 
flying them out. I, I saw what happened in Melbourne. There they were, um, dragged onto a plane. The fact is the court um, uh, gave an injunction. They still put that plane in the air. If we examine the facts minute by minute, we see a government that is trying to flout the rule of the courts. What sort of a government is that? So this is, this is our dilemma as Australians. We live in a rich, prosperous country. Um, are we going to um, allow others to share this prosperity or are we going to close in on ourselves? And we won't like ourselves um, and we won't be the happy people that we'd like to think we are. This song says, uh, no matter who you are, no matter where you go in your life, at some point you're going to need somebody to stand by you.
That was Benny King with Stand By Me. There has been a surprise development on this case this morning. Before the federal court, the Tamil family facing deportation has been given until next Friday to consider a surprise development in their case after the immigration minister said he would not exercise his discretion to allow the youngest daughter to stay in Australia. Now, just to explain that... The youngest daughter is a little toddler of two years of age. She was born in Australia, but apparently the Australian law is that you don't have a birthright to citizenship just by the fact that you're born here. And there's this rather ridiculous rule that if your mother came by boat, the moment you come out of the womb, you're regarded as being an unauthorised boat arrival. Now, that's pretty bizarre. And even more bizarre, I suppose, is the um, family's lawyer said that the government has told them to abandon the case because it was futile. And an affidavit from the immigration minister said that the two-year-old Darren Sears case had been assessed. And that's the first time that the family's lawyer had heard about that thing. The federal court heard that the Immigration Minister David Coleman had advised the family's lawyers that the department would not allow the two-year-old to apply to renew her visa and that her case has already been assessed. So federal court justice Mordecai Bromberg extended the injunction allowing the family to consider this matter. So let's go now back to the interview with Pam Kerr where she explains some of this and we're talking about cruelty. A succession of courts, including the High Court, have previously found the parents and the eldest child are not refugees and do not qualify for Australia's protection. Are you able to briefly explain why? Um, I'm not a lawyer, I'm an advocate, but what I do know is um, it's confusing to people, but the courts have no power to decide if someone's a refugee or not. The process is that a bureaucrat uh, does an interview and makes a decision at the beginning, primary interview. If the, they say that the person does not engage Australia's protection obligations and is not a refugee, the person then has a right, like any of us, to appeal against a bureaucratic decision. So, in the past, they would go to the RRT. The RRT's been RRT, a, a refugee review tribunal. Yep. Um, now there's 
another tribunal um, that is actually stacked with um, ex-liberal uh, politicians, not lawyers. So the person has the right to then have an, um, a review of the decision there. If that decision um, is negative again, there is one last right, and that is to go to the court to have the decision reviewed, but you can only have the decision reviewed if there is um, considered legal error in the decision. If it doesn't have legal error, it's no merited, and that's it. Um, there's another avenue, which is that the minister, people don't realise the immigration minister has extreme powers they're non-reviewable, um, they're inalienable, they can make a decision. There is a ministerial power to grant someone a visa based on humanitarian grounds, whatever. So the court is only there to ensure that there is um, a legal, uh, that what is being determined has been judicially correct. Uh, not to grant um, those status. Despite being Australian-born, Tharung Sia has been deemed as an unauthorised maritime arrival under the Migration Act, which stipulates children of asylum seekers who arrive in the country by boat cannot apply for a visa. Do you have any explanation for that law? Well, yes. Um, we don't have a law that allows children born in the country to get Australian citizenship by right of birth. That doesn't exist in this country. In fact, under the law, a child born of a mother who arrived by boat, who does not have a permanent visa or citizenship, is deemed at the moment of birth to have arrived by boat also. This is a sort of legal nonsense, of course, but the minute the child's head comes out, that child is deemed to be a boat arrival. The father, Nardis, fears his links to Hindu Tamil Tigers insurgents who battled Sri Lanka's majority Buddhist government during the Civil War means he could face persecution if he goes back. According to Article 1 of the 1951 UN Convention, as modified by the 1967 Protocol, a refugee is defined as a person who, owing to well-founded fear of being persecuted for reasons of race, religion, nationality, membership of a particular social group or political opinion, is outside the country of his or her nationality. So why is the Tamil family not regarded as being refugees? Well, the long and the short of it is that the Australian government has done a deal with the Sri Lankan government and the Vietnamese governments. And we can very easily return people to those countries. And that is why we are now seeing a large number of people being refused and returned to Sri Lanka and Vietnam. It is a political fix. What I hear from the Tamil community is that the situation in Sri Lanka, uh, especially since the bombing at Easter, 
is terrible. Everybody's scared of everybody. And you've got Tamils and Sinhalese, you've got Christians and Muslims and Hindus, and there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of repression. The Sri Lankan government has not aimed at reconciliation since the end of the civil war. And the Tamils certainly have been targeted. Now, because of the notoriety, we would expect that this family will get through the airport um, and hopefully will go home. We would hope that the father is not detained. But under Sri Lankan law, it is a crime to leave the country um, without, um, with not legally. And so the people who've left by boat have in the first place committed a crime. What happens is they get held at the airport, they often get transferred to Nagombo prison um, for a couple of days or a couple of weeks, um, and then they're released. And what happens then is they tell me they are called up to the court and they have to go to court to answer a charge. The court adjourns it, and this goes on every three months, the court continually adjourning the cases. In the meantime, the person can't get work, um, is unemployable, and is basically living um, a terrible existence of fear. The other thing that does happen is the white vans operate and they come to the house and they pick them up and take them away and they disappear into black prisons. And I have met people, I've met men who were sent back from Christmas Island in 2013, 12 and 11, who were subsequently tortured and who have returned to Australia and gone through the whole horrible process again and are now living in Australia. So we don't get it right all the time. Here, here. Uh, that's Pamela Kerr, who's got an Order of Australia medal recently for her work with refugees. She spent the last 20 years uh, visiting refugees in detention centres in Australia. Now, we've had an unusual development in this case this morning. Uh, we're going to go now to the federal court. Outside the federal court, there's a lawyer, Karina Ford, speaking to the media about this rather strange new development. Let's go to Karina Ford now. Obviously, it's probably already out there that we do have a further injunction till 4 p.m. on Friday. That is a result of the Minister Coleman actually making a decision not to refer, to not consider the matter for a lifting of the bar of Section 46A of the Migration Act. We have only um, had short time to consider the issues and obviously we need to think about the next way that we will progress the matter. Other than that, there's really nothing more that I can add. But is, it a move, is, is the family now closer to staying here? What happened this morning? We're still, we're still in uncertain territory, but I guess the fight is not over yet. Yeah. Last night, they understood what was going on as well as they can. It's extremely complex, as we all know, and we'll, um, they remain relatively distressed. Um, but understand what's being done at this end. Yeah.
beams in their celestial home. Orion in pursuit sprawled across the night under this ancient starry
that was Jumping Fences with Satellites. Uh, they are performing tonight at a monthly gig, first uh, Friday of the month. It's called Foco Nuevo, and they're on with two other bands, and it's always a good show. Um, but particularly now, they've fresh back from the jungles of Borneo and uh, from the big ride for Palestine. They're performing along with Chachicamo, Latin harp, an exuberant group playing Latin American music with instruments such as the Colombian harp and the cuatro leonardo, um, accompanied by bass, vocals, percussions, and they're very relaxed, cheerful rhythm, rhythms. Also with Cody Jones and the Lost Company, who've been performing around Brisbane for the last eight years, and they've got some good songs, and the band incorporates folk, country, and roots influences. So there's food and, um, and coffee and tea and stuff. You can BYO. So it's a good night, Kurupa Hall tonight. Music begins at 7.30. So let's go back to the final part of that interview on today's theme, which is cruelty. We're talking with Pamela Kerf, formerly from the Asylum Seeker Resource Centre in Melbourne. Uh, she spent 20 years visiting asylum seekers in Australian detention centres. And let's hear what she has to say to wrap up this this interview. What can people of goodwill do to reverse the situation for refugee families like this one in Australia? They can do what they have been doing over the last few weeks, and that is to raise their voices and make as much political noise as possible. We know that Dutton and Morrison are uncomfortable about this now. They feel like there's a nerve and they don't want that nerve touched because they want to act with impunity in getting rid of people out of this country, whoever they decide. Um, so today is the tester. Today is the tester. And um, I fear that we may lose this one, but I don't think that we should give up. Um, we are right in standing up for people whose lives are at risk. Under Australian law, the Tamil family's claim for asylum have never been strong, yet the Let Them Stay movement have put a lot of time, money and effort into their case. Given that there are thousands, as you mentioned, of more cases like this, many of them probably stronger, have we done the right thing by focusing on this particular family? I remember some years ago there was one of the academics in um, Melbourne was uh, being tested around why are you so compassionate to those in Australia when there are 60 million refugees? And he answered the question by saying, if you heard a baby cry on your doorstep and you opened your front door and there was a baby lying there in a basket, would you kick it out of the way? Um, and throw it away because there are millions of babies um, abandoned or would you pick up that child? There is the proximity of compassion and that goes to the heart of humanity. You do what you can for the people in front of you but you are mindful of all the others who will follow. The Labor Party singles out this case as being different from other claims. 
opposition leader Anthony Albanese said the government should intervene on the basis that Nardi's worked at the Billawila Meatworks, a business that couldn't source enough local workers to operate. Do you agree with Anthony Albanese and if so, why? Should refugees be graded for their potential economic value to Australia? No, I don't agree. And it's, you know, this is one of the hard things that comes up. I mean, this idea that a refugee is only worthy if they're a major, if they're a surgeon or if they're some super brain, each and every human being has intrinsic value. It's got nothing to do with, you know, who you, what you're going to do and who you are. Um, but, you know, they're political things that people say. In the next few weeks, as I understand it, you are to be awarded an Order of Australia Medal for your work with refugees. Will you accept that award? Uh, yes, it came to me as a great surprise and shock. Um, my initial feeling was to say no, and then um, uh, someone who I really respect said to me, don't be ridiculous, you write letters to politicians all the time, they don't pay any attention, they might have to pay some attention if you've got an OAM after your name. You accept it. <laughs> so that's what I'm going to do. Thank you, Pamela. That was Pamela Kerr talking about uh, cruelty and uh, interesting development there today. A lot of the lawyers were saying that the Tamil family had no chance to resist this deportation ordered by the Australian government, but they're still hanging in there with the two-year-old girl. Um, it seems that the law is really quite strange there, that they don't regard her being an Australian, even though she was born here. So we'll we'll wait with bated breath for further developments in that case and uh, all solidarity to the people that are still hanging in there and trying to prevent that deportation back to Sri Lanka. Um, let's have a listen now to, well, there's a bit of an intro. We've got five more minutes. People would have heard that... There's a lot happening in West Papua at the moment, particularly given the racial, racial abuse of uh, students, which has led to an uprising against the Indonesian military, which has been met by severe repression on the West Papuan independence movement. I know that their putative leader, Benny Wender, who's been here in Brisbane on a number of occasions and spoken on the show. He has made a plea for the United Nations to intervene because he does not want a repetition of what happened in East Timor in its in bloody independence struggle when the Indonesian military tried to put down that, that movement for independence. The West Papuans are currently engaged in a full-scale nationwide non-violent insurrection and that uprising was sparked by a racist attack on West Papuan students by Indonesian police and military. So what can you do about it? Well, tomorrow there's a solidarity demonstration in King George Square at 11am, organised by the local Free West Papua group. And you can go along and hear more about it and see what you can do to 
tried to put pressure on the Australian government to begin with to really stop the Indonesians from carrying out their merciless military attacks on the uh, movement there in West Papua and also put pressure on the United Nations to intervene because, you know, it has been a genocidal civil war really for many, many decades now. So let's go out before Sean hits us again with another great show. He's getting ready in the cubicle next door. So let's go out with George Telek, West Papua, Papua Merdeka. That's all for me. See ya. Police on the pier.